You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You're listening to the E2C Network. Podcast by Auburn fans for Auburn fans. Brought to you by the Auburn Uniform Database. Visit them at auburnuniforms.com. Where you go, Auburn fans? Welcome to No Huddle, your source for Auburn football news and discussion. Part of the E2C Network. I'm AJ Richardson, and I'm also here with my buddy, Jared Davis. We're going to be talking about some undrafted free agents, along with what is this going on with Cam Newton? Why hasn't he been picked up? And then we're also going to talk about the thing that I feel like a lot of Auburn fans are kind of like bitter over is the digital tickets for football games. Um, So talking about that and then also some hard data as far as how Auburn University did in the 2019 year. Uh, As far as athletics, how did they make money? Um, And then the impacts of potentially not having a football season, how bad that could potentially be. Jared, how you doing, buddy? I'm hanging in there, AJ. How about yourself? Doing well. Hanging out there. It's a pretty day. Um, it's a, it's a nice to have at least some sunshine in this uh, crazy times and uh, good weather to have uh, while even though I'm mostly stuck inside. At least I can look out the window and, and enjoy it. I, I go out every once in a while. <laughs> it, it, it looks nice. I'm still uh, waiting for the, you know, no pollen. But from other than that, it is, it definitely feels good. I took my kids out earlier and it feels good out there my friend you should uh you should uh, venture out today jared you should let the people know what did you do for your kids because it sounded pretty spectacular oh well you know it's one of those where you 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 know spend 30 minutes to set up a, a, a slip and slide and get everything ready and they're all excited and and they come out there and five minutes in they're cold and they <laughs> want to go back inside so You'll be there one day, AJ. One Anybody day. that's a parent that listens is probably nodding their head right now. That's how it goes. The buildup is great, and then they spend five minutes, and they're on to the next. <laughs> and then the funniest part is to me, I've seen kids with the simplest thing just be enamored with it and play and do, even if it's just car keys or something, they'll they'll stare at the car keys if they're a little baby. And you're just like, that's so simple. It's so dumb. <laughs> Oh, yeah. The one piece of financial advice I would give to anybody that doesn't have kids yet is do not buy expensive toys because they play with them once. Um, yeah, they will turn uh, a not a true toy into a toy, into a sword, <laughs> into this and that, and they'll spend a lot more time with the box or something that's not even a toy. So True. <laughs> yeah. Save your money. Yeah. Uh, Jared, let's talk about some undrafted free agents uh, that got signed in the 2020 NFL, like right after the NFL draft. Um, so we did have, like I've, we've mentioned before in our previous podcast, we had a lot of guys get drafted um, in the NFL draft, but we also had eight guys get drafted or become undrafted free agents uh, for 2020. Um, I'm just going to go through them real quick, and we'll actually talk about them a little bit in detail. Will Hastings going to the Patriots. Uh, Markrell Harrell, he's going to the Buffalo Bills. Nick Coe is going to the uh, Patriots. Mike Horton is going to the Panthers. Aaron Sippis is going to Lions. Uh, 
Javaris Davis is going to the Chiefs. Uh, Spencer Nye is going to the Steelers. And Jeremiah Denson is going to the Lions. So you got a good number of guys that, I mean, even though they didn't get picked up in the NFL draft, there, there's something about them that kind of intrigues teams. Um, let's start off with the first one, Will Hastings. Um, probably one of the less surprising considering how many small receivers that they always seem to find <laughs> um, that are quick. Um, yeah. I mean, what do you think of this one? Uh, he's going to be joining, uh, I mean, Jarrett Stidham, which is pretty cool. I mean, think about that connection even back in uh, like the 2017 kind of season before Will Hastings had the ACL surgeries. You knew Will Hastings and that Jarrett Stidham connection was so real. Um how how exciting was it? Do you think it is for Will to go um, and potentially play and catch passes from uh, his old quarterback? I think it's pretty awesome. I mean, the guy I do believe we've even mentioned. I think he was a walk on kicker at Auburn, mm-hmm. and to morph into one of our more productive receivers when he was healthy, and now playing for the Patriots. I mean, he's not getting to play with Tom Brady, but uh, he is getting to play with uh, most likely his old his old friend uh, Jarrett Stidham. So. Um, I think he's a great fit for them. I think I thought that too, though, about as Ryan Davis. Didn't Ryan Davis get signed with them as a free agent? And I don't know if he played at all. I don't even know if he made the team. I thought Ryan Davis would have been a great fit for them last yeah. year. Um, just the kind of way they run routes. Um, the funny thing is about Hastings is that he's a deep threat. And I don't know if it's the, I don't know if they underestimate him when he runs his route or he just mm-hmm. runs it so well. Yeah. Um, but there's so many. There's so many, you know, there's so much footage on him of catching deep balls. Um, but he's also just a great route runner. And I think that they can utilize that um, in New England about as good as anybody. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, the, the examples of Wes Welker, Julian Edelman, Danny Amendola, kind of all those, they're they're like the 5'9", five, 5'10", five, kind of guys. They're not tall, but they're so shifty. Um, I mean, all three of those guys, very similar in height. Um, their weight's a little bit different. Like, Will Hastings a little bit lighter um, than most of them that have succeeded. But, I mean, besides that, you got the shiftiness of Will Hastings that he finds ways to get open. Um, so, I mean, somebody that like Wes Welker, who even him, he was undrafted. Um, and then the Patriots got him um, and became a five-time pro bowler. So, I mean, that would be awesome to see somebody like Will Hastings go from undrafted to, I mean, becoming one of the better players in the NFL just because of his shiftiness. Um, I think probably the the biggest worry is his knees, um, just with the two ACLs uh, injuries that he's had um, back in 2018. So, I mean, if you if you talk about him when he's healthy, he he could definitely do it. Um, it's just a matter of keeping them healthy. Yeah, and their offense is totally built around that. I mean, unless they change it with Stidham or whoever, I mean, Brady is get the ball out of your hands quick. Mm-hmm. And so and that slot receiver need, is key to that. It is. And and he needs somebody that knows how that they can trust. I'm going to throw it quick. I know you're going to run your route mm-hmm. precise. And um, at the college level against the best competition, Wes did that. So we'll see if that transitions into the pros. He is He's little. He is not. I mean, Julian Edelman. I don't know how tall he is, but he's 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 built. <laughs> yeah. Um. Will Hastings is not, but you know, um, they they can probably work on that a little bit too. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like when a player jumps into college. You got 
the next level of athletic trainers that that can add yeah. on some weight to you. I right. mean, it can probably happen. Um, I mean, Julian Edelman's five foot ten, one ninety eight. So you're looking at somebody who's uh, like Will Hastings, who's only one eighty, so twenty pounds less. Um, but hey, you you pack on some extra extra pounds for him, and you could potentially have a an awesome pickup uh, that could almost make an immediate impact, especially if. Jarrett Stidham becomes the quarterback for the Patriots. Yeah, let's just be honest. Of course, we won't. You and I want this one to be right because it's an Auburn guy. But <laughs> pretty much whatever the Patriots touch turns to gold. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. you, you know, there's a chance this works out. Um, and in this case, I hope it does. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the next guy that got uh, picked up as a free agent uh, was Markrell Harrell. He's going to the Buffalo Bills. Um, he's going to be a left guard, um, or at least that's what he played previously. It sounds like he might be shifting it up. Um, I mean, that's one of those things where in the NFL you almost have to have a good amount of versatility uh, to show that a team, especially that you can play, um, because say the right guard goes down. Mark Well, can you go out there and actually go step in at right guard instead of playing left guard? Those are the questions that you have to answer, um, not just with your mouth, but can you actually do it physically? Um yeah, and I'm I don't I'm not gonna pretend to know that say that I broke film down on you know Harrell or anything, but I do remember every time I looked at him, I'm like that's just a big guy. Yeah. Um, and when you find big guys, and I know there's a lot of them, every school has them, but uh, you get a big guy in the right coaching hands, and you know good things can happen. Uh, you know, free agents are, don't have a great track record of becoming stars, but you never know. Um, the build is there now; they just got to figure out a way to make it work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the raw strength and talent sounds like it's there. I mean, right. even in Auburn's pro day, to kind of put in perspective, he did the bench press of 225 pounds 25 times. Um, and that would have been pretty good. 19th overall for O-line, which isn't the best, but it's also way better than a lot of other offensive linemen. Um, so he has the raw raw strength it's just i'm sure trying to find that right spot for him aj if you added every rep i've done in my entire life i don't know if it adds up to 225 pounds <laughs> i would say that's pretty good i yeah. don't want to be going up against him let's put it that way yeah for sure um let's talk about nick co um this was one uh, of the players that kind of just slipped off at least this last year at auburn didn't hear too much about him um but he got picked up by the patriots good for him um he even didn't even play in our uh bowl game because he was just like I'm done with this I'm I'm ready to prepare for the NFL um and I mean it sounds like at least there was some interest there because he at least got uh asked to go to the NFL combine um and I mean that's that's a pretty big deal but still didn't get drafted um I mean what do you think of him just just kind of fitting in to the NFL do you think he'll be able to fit in? Because his previous positions has been more of like a buck ends kind of position. And from what it sounds like, he might not necessarily fit into that role in the NFL. Like, what, where are you thinking what he'll do for the NFL? I really don't know. I mean, the thing with him is off the field issues, I think. Not not bad issues. More of a, I guess, work ethic maybe. Um, I mean, everybody you talk to coming into the last year's season thought that, you know, just from an athletic freak standpoint you know he was he had it all Mm -hmm. um there's something missing 
and I don't know what that is. Um, but from, I think he's, what is he? Six, five, two ninety one. Yep. Uh, I mean, <laughs> you can work with that too. Just like Harold and, you know, Nick Coe had some great games in 2018. Something happened in 2019. Um, and I don't know what that was. And I don't yeah. know that we ever will. And I'm sure the NFL probably found out a little bit. That's why he wasn't drafted. Because mm-hmm. he's got the body. Yeah. Uh, and then something else, even at the combine, they had him practicing, not not at lining up in somewhere like an edge rusher, but more as an outside linebacker. Um, what do you think of him potentially stepping into a role more of an outside linebacker? Because I don't know, like it. That that body doesn't sound like an outside linebacker <laughs> to me. No, I think uh, of course Carlos Dansby wasn't two ninety one. I don't know how tall Dansby was, but he was he appeared to be one of the more taller linebackers. I picture him because I mean what he's six five two ninety one. Nick Coe is, and I think I think you did some research and found out that the average NFL linebacker six two two forty five in the NFL. So, um, but again, the fact that they're even considering it just talks about the athletic freak this guy can be yeah um they wouldn't be talking about that with many six five two ninety one guys so it's there you know some of these guys just get lost mm-hmm. uh, to me vic beasley at the falcons he he's kind of an athletic freak as well but they tried to put him in different roles and you just get lost and, and don't specialize in anything and um you know the falcons just let him go so i, I don't know to be honest with you but um it's pretty cool there there may be a role for him yeah um, I mean, I thought it was good that you brought up Carlos Dansby because he's a bigger guy that played linebacker. Um, he was 6'4", 250, so slightly less weight, um, but still a considerably larger guy. Uh, and I I can almost see Nick Coe being able to probably lose a few of those pounds. Uh, my guess is he probably was asked to gain pounds because of the position he was asked to play as more of a buck end rusher um, in Auburn. Um, so maybe lose a little bit of that weight, be able to fit into a more outside linebacker position, blitz every once in a while, put some quarterback uh, pressure on. It could happen. It could really happen. Yes, uh, sir. Let's talk about Mike Horton now. He's going to the Panthers. Uh, he's going to be joining teammates Derek Brown. So always good to see some uh, previous players joining back together at the next level. Uh I thought this was kind of interesting. He's one of the higher predicted players to make the actual NFL roster. Um, a Sports Illustrator writer predicted he, he has about a 55% chance of making a roster um, hmm. position. Um, so for him, I, I gave him a pretty good shot playing offensive line, um, maybe at the next level. Even if he's a backup, I, he could do it. Absolutely. Um, what do you What do you think about because I think that this also kind of ties into the bigger discussion of we've had of our offensive line in the last couple of years. It's just not been up to snuff, but obviously the individual talent there has been pretty good. It's just working together is the issue. Yeah. I mean, like. I, yeah, I don't think that any, I mean, I don't think we, we had a few dra- or recruiting classes where we didn't really a- attack offensive linemen, but I don't feel like we're getting bad offensive linemen when we get them. I don't know what happened. I don't know if it was coaching. I don't know if the line just never gelled. Um, I don't know if we were trying to change, you know, our playbook a little bit and, and we were kind of just didn't have an identity. Um, but, I mean, yeah, so we had well, we had two linemen get drafted. Well, did we just have one offensive lineman actually get drafted? Uh, um, we had two. We had two get drafted. Um, 
uh, and then Prince Tega, and then I can't remember the other guy, but he got drafted too. Mm-hmm. So and then oh, now we've Jack, Jack Driscoll, That's Jack Driscoll, yeah. and so now we've had two get picked up as free agents. So um, I mean, obviously there was something there mm-hmm. to work with. Uh, yeah, and I see. This is where I, I know that there was some definite coaching changes that happened, and I'm sure that that probably played a little bit of a role in kind of the stability of getting your O-line to gel and everything. But the end product didn't necessarily look good as a whole. No. Um, like it didn't always have good pass protection, didn't always have good run blocking. And I don't know, just the whole picture just wasn't good. But obviously the individual pieces, maybe Mike Horton was good at run blocking. Well, maybe you throw Mike Horton in there on specifically designed run plays in the NFL. Maybe he does great in those. And then he develops more of a pass defense. Um, I don't know. That that would be kind of interesting to see. Well, and I will add this real quick, and then I know we got to move on. I mean, they, you, I don't know the numbers, but they were pretty telling. I mean, last year our, our pass blocking was not bad. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it wasn't great, but uh, Nix did not get sacked a lot. Yep. And there were many times where he had enough time to, you know, at least look through two, two uh, progressions now. He didn't have all day, um, which is what we want, let's be yeah. honest. But he had enough time. And so, you know, maybe there was some reason for that. Maybe these guys are good pass blockers. I know you just mentioned good run blocking, and that could be the case too. But mm-hmm. there is some data to point to the fact that they actually were not bad at pass blocking. They just didn't get a lot of push. And, you know, Gus, everybody needs that. But Gus really needs that uh, to be successful and get it rolling. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if he doesn't have the run game, it's – I mean, we've seen some tough games. We've, if the team's able to keep Auburn under 100 yards rushing, goodness, it's just yeah. not. It's not going to be a good not day. Not usually good. Nope, it's not. Uh, let's talk about Aaron Sippus, the guy that I think caught almost everybody off guard as <laughs> leaving early. Because I mean, who as a punter leaves early, really? <laughs> yeah. But when you factor in the, the his age, he's 27 years old. He's married, and really, he he probably doesn't have too many more years left if he wants to go play in the NFL, which he came over to America to get a college uh, kind of degree and come over here and play in the college and then move over to the NFL. So I think that's his goal uh, as a whole. Um, But, I mean, for him to go from uh, being one of our average or pretty good at kickers, like averaging about 45 yards per punt, and now we don't have him. It's uh, going to be a little interesting. Um, what do you think of him getting picked up by the Lions and uh, rejoining uh, with Carrion? Well, I guess he never played with Carrion. I don't think he ever played with him. But uh, yeah, was uh, was he our punter? In... I think nope, he, he did came not. in 2018. You're, you're right. He did and not. And Carrion so... left after 2017. You're yeah, correct. Yeah. I I mean I think you're right. I think it was a shock. But when you actually dig deep, he's 27. He has a wife. He may even have a child. I mean, at that point, you know, you he probably was like, look, there's nothing else I can prove here. Uh, while a lot of punters don't leave early, they also, a lot of them don't get drafted anyways. It's mm-hmm. usually a free agent signing. So he probably said, I love you, Auburn, but <laughs> I'm yeah. 27. I got to start making some money. Yeah. Um, and if and, I, and if it's not this, I need to know that now. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I we'll see. Um, you never know with punting. I mean, you know, with kickers, they'll be, they'll go hire a guy who was sitting on the couch the week before because the kicker gets hurt. So, yeah. I don't know what what the tipping point is for a punter to make a team, but um, yeah, I mean, it, when you look at it from what you just mentioned him being older, it, it's not as big of a surprise. 
Yeah, and from what I I was kind of researching because I was wondering why the Lions needed a punter and kind of where Aaron Sippus stands in here and kind of helps out is the previous kicker that that kicked for the Lions, Sam Martin. Uh, he signed with the Denver Broncos, so there's a wide open spot for a punter now. Um, well, that's good to go in there and get that starting position. My guess okay. is there's probably well, others that are going to compete, but yeah, that's a good sign for him. That is a good sign. I got a question for you though, because I was thinking about this. Because he's a punter, uh-huh. like he's got an awesome name. He's Australian. We call him uh-huh. Australian Aaron. But do you view him as like an Auburn legend? Because uh, he he was okay, like he was a pretty good punter, but he wasn't like a uh, like a Stephen Clark or something. That where you're just like, oh my gosh, or I don't know. I'm trying to think of other great punters that we've had. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the legend probably not, but I mean, they will be talking about Aaron for for a while. I mean, I think he was kind of called Pops on the team. <laughs> they'll probably keep making that joke, and whenever he comes back around, they'll kind of probably joke about that. And just the fact that he was from Australia. I think he was a very friendly guy, very likable guy. So uh, inside the organization, I don't know how they'll view him. Outside, I wouldn't say he's a legend, but I will say this: we did not. We started out last year terrible in punting. I mean, mm-hmm. our, I mean, we were like last in the country for the first three games, and then something clicked, and I, I don't know that we gave up very many yards after that. Yeah, and and I think Aaron had to adjust his punting to how our how good our special teams are or not good our special teams was, mm-hmm. and he was able to do that because you could tell a little difference in his punting. He basically started giving up uh, distance. His punts were not as long, but they were higher. Yes, and for him to make those adjustments, um, probably not easy because you practice the entire offseason doing it a different way. So, um, from a skill standpoint, I I think that uh, I, I think he'll always be remembered fondly. Yeah, um, but probably not a legend. Yeah, the the only reason I'm thinking potentially he might become a legend is because of the last or well, second to last play of the Iron Bowl in 2019. Ah, yes, forgive that, me. Scratch that's it all. The, he is a legend. <laughs> just I forgot. <laughs> that's the only reason of yeah, him lining yeah. up as wide receiver. Okay, but, you're yes, you're correct. I was wrong. I forgot. I was th- <laughs> I totally forgot about that. Um, yes, I mean the fact that. Um, his one attempt at wide receiver, he never caught a pass. Nope. A pass was never thrown to him, and he will go down as one of the greatest wide receivers at Auburn. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the only reason I think he might become yeah. kind of like this folklore legend that, oh, he lined up, and then he made Saban really mad, and then Auburn won the game because of it. Like, <laughs> that's you, the only you get, thing. You get, you're a 27-year-old Australian punter and you caused the greatest coach of all time to go berserk and <laughs> even call it unfair after the game. <laughs> yeah, he's a legend. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Spencer Nye. Um, fullback, H-back kind of guy. He ended up going back, going to the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's one of the uh, – Pittsburgh Steelers were one of the few teams left that actually still use an H-back uh, slash fullback in the uh, NFL. Uh, so. Sounds like he found himself a good spot. Um, last year, we know about Chandler Cox uh, getting drafted. So that's pretty neat to see uh, you get a couple extra guys, well, fullback positions, which Auburn uses, get picked up by NFL teams. Um, what do you think of, of Spencer Nye, and, and what do you think he can do in the NFL? 
I really don't know, to be honest with you. I mean, every time they threw to him, I was like, are we throwing to our center? <laughs> and then he, but he caught it every time. Yes. And beyond, besides Seth Williams, I would say, argue, he probably has the second best hands on the team. I mean, yeah. it was, uh, you know, he's never going to have, uh, he does not look like a tight end. I know he's listed no. as an H back. I think when we threw to him, it was more of a tight end role, but he had some very pivotal first down catches. Um, I'm assuming he can block with the body that he has. Mm hmm. So again, it goes back to can the coaches find a way to use that? Um, I'll be I'm happy for him. I don't think we'll probably ever you know hear his name called on ESPN, but we might. Yeah, who never yeah. who knows? Um, the Steelers are a good team and a good organization. So I'm I'm you know maybe they can find something to do with him. Yeah, the one place that I think he could make a almost immediate impact for the Steelers would probably be in special teams. I could see him. I know he played a lot of special teams, especially sitting behind Chandler Cox. He played a lot of special teams for us. Um, and he's got the experience in special teams, so I can see them picking him up. He may make saying, his name in that. Yeah, he get you get in there and make your name in that, and then they'll, they'll give you a shot on the offensive side. Yep, exactly. Uh, let's talk about Javaris Davis. Uh, he's, a Kansas, he's going to the Kansas City Chiefs, the Super Bowl champions uh, last year. Um, this is pretty exciting. I mean, like, I'm glad he got picked up. He was one of those I kind of had picked as maybe even getting drafted, like one of the later rounds, fifth, sixth, seventh rounds, something like that. So it was honestly a little shocking to see that he didn't go. Um, my guess is they probably were looking at his size. He's only five foot eight, one eighty three pounds, and uh, I mean he's he's shorter, especially when it compares to the wide receivers that you're going to see in the NFL that are probably going to be six seven inches taller than you um but i mean for a guy like like javaris who size so far has not been an issue he's he's pretty much thrived because of his size um, he doesn't really care too much about it uh what do you think of this uh him going to the chiefs yeah i mean you you i think you explain exactly why he wasn't drafted and and look, it's not a knock on i mean height is height but when it comes to nfl standards he's five eight and I think that's probably that doesn't mean he's not going to be successful, um, but I think that's probably the the reason he was not drafted. I think uh, AJ, you you had told me I believe that uh, his forty time was like four point three nine, which was the seventh fastest at the combine. Yeah, like out of everybody that ran yep. the forty. So, and he didn't get drafted. And you know they put so much emphasis on that forty time, which I I don't really fully agree with that. But that's another discussion. Uh, but they put a lot of emphasis on that, and he succeeded at it. And I think it comes down to he's five eight. Mm -hmm. Um, but again, that doesn't mean he can't be successful. That just is why he was not drafted. Yeah. I mean, and we'll see. I mean, this is one of those, I feel like he could make it on a roster. I think he could. And if he does make it on a roster, he could eat very well, easily just fit in, um, real quickly, go up against the big guys that, that are in the NFL, um, pretty quickly. Uh, let's talk about Jeremiah Denson, uh, our safety that ended up going to the Lions. Um, he's he's the guy that has had some knee injuries in the past that have kind of uh, kind of slowed him down a little bit. Um, but in the end, I mean, he has had an incredible comeback. Uh, I mean, even his senior year, uh, he had the highest solo tackles and total tackles for Auburn's team. Um, so you know this guy is flying around the field, has a nose for the ball, um, and, and isn't thinking about that ACL injury anymore. Um, he's able to 
do what he needs to to, to play a good defense. Um, so I'm just hoping that he he's able to fit in uh, well with the Lions. Uh, what do you think of Jeremiah going to the Lions? Yeah, I don't know their situation at safety. I mean, but I think, you know, the fact that, you know, he led the team in solo tackles on a really good Auburn defense. That, you know, there's been years that wouldn't really impress you, but um, we had really good people in front of him. So for him to lead in tackles, um, he's probably fitting gaps well and reading the run well. And, um, you know, um, so I think he's obviously got some good football sense. Um, the ACL probably, you know, held him back. Uh, you know, you, you can't miss any. When we're talking NFL, we're talking elite of elite mm-hmm. uh, all the time. And to be have that setback from that ACL the sophomore year, um, you know, that uh, that probably, you know, probably took him out of a draft pick. But um, I'm happy for him. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I, I think he's definitely got the capability uh, to be on the roster. And um, we'll just see how it plays out. Yeah, yeah. I, he's one of those, if he stays healthy, I think he he could make a like he's got the the good amount of size that the NFL is looking at for a safety. It's just a matter of now can he can he make that next jump to the NFL? Right. Uh, for Sal Canella, this is one uh, I think you and I saw it at least on Twitter. Sal um, kind of frustrated. At least he he kind of took it out on uh, in his tweets. Uh, like one of his tweets was uh, he said been overlooked my whole life why would I expect anything to change now and you know what like as much of as much as we I mean by we I mean Ben and I in previous podcasts uh, did I don't know like we we weren't all that excited about Sal like we we knew he'd have like one or two catches per game that was about it that was kind of his role he was a good run blocker Besides that, I, I don't I don't know how he really fit in, um, and I I wonder if that really hurt why he didn't get picked up, like not even in free agency. Um, like, what by do you how, he, how do you feel talking about, about this? By, yeah, you're talking about by how he handled it. You think that yeah. maybe one? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think you're. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't. Do you remember the uh, the movie Draft Day with Kevin uh, Cosner? He oh was, yeah, yeah. He was talking to a, a guy that felt like he was being undervalued, and and they had a conversation, and he said a word of advice get off Twitter. Um, you know, he's telling the players, giving him some advice, like, we don't like to see all that. So that may be, I mean, Sal, great body size, and Sal made some fantastic catches for Auburn, but he also dropped a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and look, I want the best for him. I'd love for him to make a team. I think he was a good blocker. I think he probably didn't get a lot of credit for that. Um, but that very rarely gets you in the NFL, yep. um, especially now that it's moving towards a, a passing, passing game. Yeah. So he's got the size. Um, there's no doubt, but that's not the only thing that goes along with it. And I assume these NFL teams want to win, and so if they thought there was something there, they'd give him a shot. Yeah, and that's what I kind of worried about with him is all those missed passes that he just dropped. And, and you're thinking, you got to catch those, especially first down catches. Yeah, you got to catch them. You do, and the ones he made, I mean, we talked, uh, the one he made against Washington two mm-hmm. years ago, the one he made against Alabama, I mean, the one he made against Alabama, that – like that's textbook between him and Bo. I mean, you yep. the way Bo threw it, the only place to grab it, and he caught it and got his toes in. Yep. Like like that is amazing. And then you'll see him run a curl route, you know, for a first down right in right in his basket. And he drops it, mm-hmm. and the drive's over. So you know you can't throw those off. You can't delete those from the film. Um, and you know I just don't think there was enough there. And I hate it. I mean I like the guy. Yeah. I'm not against him. If it sounds like I am, I'm not. I want him to be successful. I just 
we're just trying to figure out why it didn't happen. And I think a multitude of things. Yeah. And then I started looking at some of his stats. I mean, they, they don't jump out to you by any means. I mean, this last year he had 10 catches for 180 yards or 88 yards and a couple touchdowns. And that was it. Uh, if you have less than 200 yards, I mean, to NFL scout, you're almost already written off. Yeah, like, I mean that's Georgia Tech receiver type numbers, but you know when they ran the oh uh, yeah, you know when they ran the triple option. I mean that's just not. We passed way more this year than we have in the past, and and his numbers were not great. So yeah, um, and we didn't have a ton of options. I mean, you know, we had Seth Williams, and we he lost those end around. So for him to not find a spot there with not a tremendous amount of options, I, I don't know, you know. We're going to take a quick break from this episode for a special announcement. One of the things that we take great pride here at the E2C Network are our listeners are really our E2C Network family. Now, I know they enjoy listening to us, but let's be honest. Every once in a while, they probably would like a little bit of change of pace. Well, that's where you come in if you're a business owner. If you have any interest in partnering with us in terms of ads or sponsorships on our podcast episodes, you can reach us at e2cnetwork at gmail.com. Let us help you reach the widest variety of Auburn fans out there. I mean, come on. Who else listens to a network where they cover everything from Auburn football to The Bachelor and the connections it has with Auburn? Utilize our podcasts, Facebook live shows, and other flexible partnership opportunities that are available upon request. Let us help you reach the E2C Network family and the Auburn family at large on how you might best be able to serve them. Reach out to us at e2cnetwork at gmail.com for more information. That's all we have for you in this special message. Let's get back into the episode. Um, let's make this like a quick discussion, but I thought this would be kind of interesting to hear of these eight players that uh, got picked up as undrafted free agents. Who are the top three from this list that you think will actually make the roster? Just kind of give me like a brief, maybe like a sentence after each one of them. Uh, as why you think that they'll uh, make the roster. Yeah, okay. Uh, if Nick Coe can mentally get it together, I, I think Nick Coe's got the, God-given-wise, he's got the, the best ability for that, yep. to be honest with you. So I think he's probably number one. Uh, probably Will Hastings just for the fit up in New England mm-hmm. um, and what they can find a way to do with the certain people. So I think Will Hastings would be number two. And then based off what you said about the Lions needing a kicker, I think it may be uh, Sipos. I think he, he may have a good chance and – um, you know, I could be wrong on all these, but I, I, that would be my one, two, three. How about you? Yeah, I mean, I was actually going to pick uh, two of the same ones that you had, Aaron Sippus, uh, for the same reasons of they just uh, they need a new punter now, and then Will Hastings just because of the fit. Uh, but the third one, I, I I've actually got Jeremiah Denson in there for the Lions as a safety. Um, I think they found a an awesome player that I mean, he did some awesome things for Auburn. Um, the way he led Auburn's defense, mm-hmm. um, especially his senior year, um, not just in number of tackles, but the way he, um, as a leader on the team, uh, kind of brought people around him. You know, that's gonna some of that's gonna transfer over to the NFL. So I think, yeah, and I could see him too, no doubt. Um, I, I agree with everything you said. Uh, let's talk about because I think this is kind of uh, still Auburn related, but let's talk about Cam Newton because uh, at this point. Cam's still not been picked up by any NFL team after he was uh, dropped by the Panthers. Um, how do you feel about all this? Because it, it seems like he's just waiting for that right team, being super patient. Like he, he, he's almost just not even wanting to give up that starting position. Like he, he's almost waiting for that. 
I got to get that number one job at whatever team I land at. Like, what what do you think about all this situation with Cam? It's a great question. I don't know, to be honest with you. Um, I'm with you. I think he's he's wanting, you know, you know, we just, I mean, Andy Dalton just signed as a backup basically at, at, for the Cowboys, and I don't think Cam wants to go that route. I mean, Cam doesn't have too many more years in him probably just because of the hits he's taken. Yeah, and he's so, also 31 or almost 31. Yeah, which is not old, but he's uh, – <laughs> He's a different kind of quarterback. He's taking more hits. So, um, and maybe he's talking to these teams, and they're he's asking, "How are y'all going to use me? Are y'all going to be running me? Because I I want to, you know, I want to last a little bit longer." Maybe that's been a holdout of why mm, it's not maybe. hasn't worked out. So, um, I I would be I will put it this way: I have no idea what's going to happen. What team? I will be very shocked if Cam Newton, if he's healthy, if he's not starting for somebody this year. Yeah, I think you're. <laughs> I feel like at some point in the year, he's going to become that starter, um, whether or not that's day one starter or uh, like I've even heard, he might just be waiting at this point for some quarterback to get injured and him put his name out there. Hey, I'm I'm an eligible quarterback. Fill, just put me in your system while you go play. Uh, it's kind of risky, but I mean, if he wants that starting job, that may be the only way now that he he gets there um and it sounds like the other teams that have kind of been throwing their that i've heard thrown their names around as far as getting cam the patriots uh but at the same time i mean jared haven't you heard that jared stidham has uh it sounds like that a lot of patriots fans have some faith in him i mean there's been a lot of nfl uh, twitter people with blue check marks whatever that means they have said that they have talked to people in the Patriots camp um, and and they fully believe in Jarrett Stidham like it's not just a cheap option they're taking they actually think he could be the guy um, now this is not coming from the Patriots themselves but these people claim to to have sources so I would have told you two weeks ago and I probably did on a podcast that Cam Newton would have wound up in New England based off what I'm hearing now I don't think he will I think it will be an Auburn, Auburn quarterback running that offense but it will not be Cam um, and I you know I, I thought that was his highest possible landing spot yeah i mean that's where i was kind of thinking about it and then started reading reports that even bill belichick really isn't that interested in cam for whatever reason um so i mean if your head coach is not into you i mean that's i feel like that's kind of telling uh that i don't know patriots may not be where he ends up uh, unless the patriots just get really desperate and see Jarrett stidham is not the guy um not the guy for them at quarterback uh, I mean, the other one that I've heard is the Broncos, though I really kind of doubt that one. Um, kind of sounds like they, they're already pretty locked into Drew Locke as their quarterback for the next season. So I doubt that one. Um, the one that I thought was kind of interesting was the Jaguars. Um, they kind of seems like they might or may not go with Gardner uh, Minshew um, as their quarterback one. I feel like it's kind of like a long shot um, because of just he's he's unproven. He's more or less a big risk for the Jaguars, um, and and you can almost have Cam Newton jump in there immediately. So that would be kind of interesting. Um, again, this is that would be an interesting pick for him to go um, play. Uh, and then the last one that sounds kind of reasonable is uh, the Redskins, just because Ron Riviera, the former head coach of the Panthers that Cam played under, uh, is now at the Redskins. Um, and really the only players uh, that are there 
I feel like Cam could potentially be out. Dwayne Haskins, uh, and then you have uh, Kyle Allen. So actually the previous backup that was behind Cam Newton a few years ago. <laughs> you know, I think I didn't even think about this earlier. The team that, that needs Cam the most, um, and you could talk about on field, but I'm, I'm talking about that, but also mm-hmm. from a uh, marketing standpoint, probably the Jaguars. Mm-hmm. They've struggled financially. I mean, there's even been talks of every year there's, you know, if there's not a pandemic, there's been talk every year. Are they going to move the Jaguars? Are they going to move them to London? What's What are they going to do? They can't get fans. They have no marketing appeal. And um, you you put Cam Newton down there, and that all changes. Um, I mean, I even thought that. That's I a good thought point. They should, I thought they should have drafted Tim Tebow, you know, when he was coming out, um, if somebody was going to draft him. Because, I mean, that would have been a marketing. It would have it just, you know, people would have paid jerseys attention would have, Jersey would have been sold yeah. easily. Like, they, they, there's going to be Cam Newton jerseys sold there if he goes there. And and you know people like Tebow and Cam Newton are going to work in a good way, like work the crowd, work the, the fan base uh, to get them excited about what's right. going on there. And, and that's that's kind of like what Bruce Pearl does. He's just a marketing guru that just gets people excited and hyped up about that team. He does. I mean, the, there's things that Cam has done throughout the career that, you know, makes me cringe because I'm an Auburn guy. <laughs> um, but he was he's also done it a lot of times when he was young, and he's learning. And um, But working the crowd is not – well, something he has a problem with, and the appeal, um, they will get more primetime games if Cam Newton is there. Yeah, without you can a doubt. Guarantee it. Yeah, for sure. If anything, it'll be the press conferences after the game. Or something. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I got a couple extra topics that we'll hit on real quick. Um, so this previous week on uh, April thirtieth, I think is when I saw it. Um, Auburn football tickets are now going to be digital. How do you feel about this, Jared? I mean, the, you know, I, I use my cell phone for everything now. So immediately I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Makes things a lot easier. And then I open up Twitter and see everybody griping because they don't have the souvenir anymore for the ticket sales. And I'm like, oh, I totally get that too. So, you know, from a tactical standpoint, I think it's a smart idea, not even just from touchless, but just a lot easier to send a ticket to somebody if you can't go and things like yeah. that. Um, a lot easier to get an accurate count of who's actually in the stadium. Mm-hmm. I, you know, one thing, I don't, AJ, I don't know. I mean, there could be an idea where maybe, and it would cost money, but maybe they can still send you one in an email format that you could print if you wanted it. I'd imagine but, so. I mean, I, I'm thinking of, of it almost as if you've ever used Ticketmaster for a concert where they give you the option, do you want to print this off or get a, a mailed to you? And, or you can just have it on your phone. And typically what I'd do is just, I'll just have it on my phone um, and save the printing, save the, the mail that has to happen for it. And that seems to work well for me. Um, so I'd imagine they give options, something like that. Yeah. I mean, I get, you know, I have tickets from old games and you remember that and share it and pass it down to your kids. So I get that, but I don't, I think from an overall aspect, a year from now, we won't be talking about it. We'll be happy they did it. I think it's an easier process, um, and it was inevitable anyways at yeah. some point. Yeah, and I know that there were other teams that have started to do it. Like even Clint Richardson pointed out that uh, the Jaguars have been doing it for the last, I think, three years, and they they had their fans do the same thing, uh, complain about the souvenir tickets. And what they ended up doing, and I could see Auburn doing this too, is actually selling like a souvenir book that would have those tickets in there. 
Yeah. Like I, you'd have. And then they can make, that's another stream of revenue. Plus, I think they, I saw the numbers. They're saving a, they're saving a lot of money by not yeah. having to print these out. I can't remember the exact number, but. Um, well, and then you have to factor in for every time you print out something, you have to mail it. So for every ticket that you pretty much make, even if it's in a booklet of that's your season, that's one thing that you have to ship. So that's money. <laughs> oh, is and, it? Yeah, it's a, and we've all who who hasn't ordered season tickets? It's been sitting there a week before the game start, and they're like they're on the way. Yeah, and you're like if they don't get here, I'm in trouble because there's no other way to get in, and and now that won't be a problem. Yeah, for um, sure. So I mean, the only thing that I'd I'd be worried about, and I've heard fans uh, potentially talk about it, and it is an issue is phone battery dying. What do you do uh, in that yeah. situation? True. Um, I, I mean, it's just a hundred thousand fans all around the stadium your phone's trying to get cell service your battery dies quicker it's happened to pretty much everybody um i mean that that would be a worst case scenario maybe they have some workaround and they can search oh hey this is your name okay cool let me check you in show me some id to verify you're the real person you're the real person something like that what do you think tim cook could do something about that at auburn you think he could like i don't know make mm. some kind of way where they just charges your phone when you enter the stadium or something mm. uh, he should be able to I mean, help as long out. as it doesn't give me cancer yeah. <laughs> yeah no kidding right and only like, apple phones would get it android people would just be like man <laughs> yeah so. all, your your iphone would actually charge during the game and not drain yeah drain. Right, right. <laughs> yes, sir. Awesome. um the last topic i wanted to talk about and uh, this is something that you sent me jared that i thought was real interesting because we've talked more hypothetical of football programs and the money that they bring in really covers a lot of other sports that don't make profit. So because of the profit and money that comes in from football, it kind of covers the, uh, the lack of money that comes into say the soccer program or the tennis program or the swimming program. Um, but I wanted to talk through some of this and, uh, I thought this was kind of interesting. Um, because it, it seemed to line up with some of the numbers we were seeing from other schools. I think the other one I looked at was the LSU Tigers. We were, we were looking at to see how how they were doing financially, at least in 2019. But I was curious about Auburn. How's Auburn doing financially? Um, and as far as football goes, um, we've made almost $50 million of profit, just straight profit from football. Um, now, $29 million of that, so about two thirds of that uh, was made solely based off of ticket sales. The other 19 million was media rights. So majority of that, that 29 million, I think Auburn could, if you don't have any fans in the stadium, that's just pretty much all gone. Um, what do you like? That's the biggest impact, at least to me on this football season. What do you think now that you see these actual numbers for Auburn and how that might impact athletic directors into having a football season the more we see numbers come out like this and the more you just hear the slip of the tongue probably from athletic directors around the country i would now be surprised if we don't have a football season starting before november um i don't know if it's going to start september whatever that first i don't know mm-hmm. if it's going to start labor day weekend or not but i think they're going to do it um yeah. and i'm not here to tell you if it's smart or not i'm not here to say that's crazy i'm just i, I think it is what it is um and I think they're going to do everything in their power to do it with fans there. Yeah. Um, because I mean, the, of these numbers. Yeah. I think the straight numbers of it all. I mean, the, 
the two other SEC uh, eight athletic directors that I've heard that have come out and said, yeah, we're having a football season, are Alabama and Texas A&M. And both of them have pretty much come out and said, yeah, we're having it in some capacity. Um, I mean, even, uh, what is it, Jared, you had told me about Greg Sankey. What was that about Greg Sankey saying <laughs> about the, the football season? He was asked, would the, and I guess I didn't hear the, I didn't hear the question. I saw the headline, but I think he was essentially asked if other conferences did not, would the SEC consider doing an SEC only season, like us be the only conference that played? And he said, absolutely. Um, uh, I, he could have, he could have trolled a lot of people and said, hadn't that been the way it's been the past few years? <laughs> but, right. um, yeah, but, uh, he, he's a little more politically correct than I am, but I, uh, that would be interesting. But yeah, he's basically said, I mean, that's comp that's if you want a season that is comforting because it he's basically saying we're going to do whatever we can to have one yeah and, and i mean if the I, I highly doubt it that it would happen like that i feel like there would be other conferences that would open up but if that did happen just imagine the monopoly of tv games how many fans would be watching those games even if it was only televised no fans could come to the game that would be nuts like oh, the amount yeah. of revenue tv channels we making holy crap um and i hope i'd almost hope that there would be extra revenue that would come back to the school because of that um, yeah because of viewership rising so much yeah i think if if that were to happen you're right i mean view, viewership's going to be up anyways because let's be honest if they open it up i can't promise you i go today and i'm not mm-hmm. i can't promise you i'd walk in but so i'm going to watch yeah. from home but most likely but you know if, if um if somebody wants to go and the school says that you're allowed to go, I'm perfectly okay with that. I don't judge anybody, but I would still be a little cautious. So there will be more people watching from home. Um, I think that those numbers will already be up, and um, I wonder if they will be able to negotiate, you know, some more revenue from that if if they're not able to sell tickets. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Jared, anything else before we get out of here? No, I you know just uh, hope everybody's staying safe out there and healthy and uh, you know we are all hoping for a football season. We realize the uh, health issues around that. Uh, we're not trying to negate that. We just we we would love to to have sports back in some form. So keeping our fingers crossed for that, AJ. Yeah, me too. Um, I think you had asked me a few weeks ago if I had to bet my retirement on uh, whether or not the football season would happen. At that point, I didn't think so, but now that more athletic directors are coming out and they've got some information that us as a public probably just don't have. And I I think it's pointing to some capacity of football will happen in 2020, which is exciting. That's that that's exciting for the fans. That's exciting for the players um, because I know how many players of different sports like basketball were just crushed because they, they couldn't finish out their season or like baseball and softball they didn't even really get their season started um and and how exciting that could be for football players to actually be able to play um i felt like that would be a a great thing um for this 2020 uh year i agree my friend uh jared before you get out here do you want to give me your social media yep y'all can follow y'all can just touch in with me touch base with me on uh facebook at jared davis and also instagram and you can find me on Twitter, A-J-A-Y-J-A-Y underscore. It's always great to be an Auburn Tiger and War Eagle. War Eagle.
Before you get out of here, we want to remind you of a couple of things. Head over to e2cnetwork.com, our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us, podcasts, blogs, and even ways to help support the show. If you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing, that here at the network, we believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you?